This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. Hey, y'all. You know what I hope this episode does for you today? I hope this episode helps you feel better. That's all I want from this episode. I want you to feel better. We're going to give you some tips and ideas. In fact, I can promise you on this episode, you're going to learn some things. You're going to be inspired and you're going to have your perspective changed in a way that you will want to choose some different behaviors. And isn't that really at the core of everything? This is important to me today that as a result of this episode that you feel better because I have really witnessed a lot of hurting and pain in some groups and some clients. I've been talking a lot about burnout these days and I'm seeing it in really deep, profound ways. And when there's a really hard problem, it's typical for us to think that the solution is also going to be hard. And that's not always the case. Now, I will say as it relates to burnout that it's not a quick fix. In fact, on a future episode, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I know it's going to take to, as my tagline says, ban burnout. For today, we're going to go into this episode. And here's what I want you to visualize or pretend is happening. You ever wander into a coffee shop, maybe a bar, restaurant, I don't know, someplace, people are just hanging out and having a conversation, and you run into somebody you know, wasn't really planned, and you just jump in on their conversation, and you realize, oh my gosh, I am so glad that I ran into this person who introduced me to this person because it created this amazing exchange that I hadn't anticipated. Man, that felt good. That's what I want for you today with this episode with Don Wetrick. Because Don is an old friend of mine, and we hadn't chatted in a while. And we are so aligned on, on things that we care about and the work that we do that I just said, jump on the line and we will talk about what you want to talk about. So it's like you just sat down at the table at a coffee shop with us. And this conversation is already in progress, which is how this episode actually is. But I also want you to to look into Don. He is the CEO of Started Up Foundation and is doing amazing work. He was previously an educator, a teacher, and now as an entrepreneur and CEO of this foundation, he is doing amazing work around the world and helping students see the world as entrepreneurs, but also in a myriad of ways that you'll hear about today. There is a competition in Indianapolis on June 15th, a pitch competition that I would love for you to consider, attend. Come find me. I'll be there. Let's meet. 
and continue this robust conversation. But at its root today, what I want for you is for you to feel better. And you're going to find that there are just two things out of this episode that are so important that we can simplify the answers to really complex problems. And one of those ways is to go be the person that you need right now. Let's hear Don and I just break this all down. What's a topic, a challenge, what's something that is really on your heart, maybe that you haven't had a chance to talk about in other places or contexts, just something that would feel really good to talk about that today? I mean, like, it's something that I talk about, but I don't feel like I talk about enough. I guess for context, I run a program. It's a statewide competition in, in, in curriculum. It's called Innovate Within. By the way, our foundation is called the Started Out Foundation, but we're startup mindset in education. And so what a lot of people think and assumed it is like, oh, you teach entrepreneurship. I'm like, no, I teach students how to see problems as opportunities, which is another way of saying entrepreneurship. But sometimes it gets lost in translation We'll get people that say, oh, let me let me pass you on to the business department. I'm like, no, like pass me on to the home ec department, pass me on to the English teacher, pass me on to the whatever. It's not a business thing until it becomes one. And by that, I meant if you have an innovative idea, if in school you write it for an audience of one, you got an A, big freaking deal. It was an audience of one. I think seeing a problem as an opportunity and then wanting to launch it is entrepreneurship. But back up to steps of like seeing a problem as an opportunity is the thing. And this is where I, I've probably said this so many times that like Seth will probably eventually thank me for it. But like Seth Godin in uh, Lynchpin said, education can really be boiled down to two things, solving interesting problems and the leadership to get it done. That's what we do. Our curriculum, we sit out there, we're like, we tell students, do not pitch us on T-shirt lines and food trucks unless that is a part of a solution. Like we had one student that said, hey, listen, I did a data study. This zip code has no food trucks. I surveyed 300 people. They are screaming for a taco truck. I'm like, oh, then you're solving a problem. So yeah, I, I want to get students, hell, adults. We are I was just really going to say, this is not yeah. just about students. If you right. can get everyone looking <laughs> at problems as opportunities, yes. the world changes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when, when, because like we're good at, I, I, I try not to swear too often, but we're, we're good at bitching. And I get it. But when we go, okay, what would you do? And I think that was the hallmark. And obviously, you've met two of my children. But, you know, Ava and Anna have already got that, like, they know what's coming. If they say, so we had dinner, we talk, and if they're going to complain, I'm like, what sayest thou? What are you going to do? And I that's, have often said to women's groups, stop bonding over bitching. Mm -hmm. I love me some, I love women yeah. and I'm shocked that I'm in a, I've created a business that serves them because I grew up with all men and all boys and even had male roommates. Like it's God is such, has such a sense of humor. But the first thing I said was I, I refuse to stay in a room where if we're going to bond, it's around who we collectively don't like mm. or what we don't like. Like, nope, mm. nope. Unless to your point, unless we're saying, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. How are we going to move ourselves out of it? 
hundred percent. Yeah. The other thing that I love about what you said, when I think about my work in helping people know their gifts and talents, my next directive to them is figure out how to make those relevant. And that's what you're talking about is what's the problem that you're solving because, and I think especially in, in students and the demographic that you work with is the copy and paste. Oh, I saw somebody was successful on Instagram with a food truck. So I'm going to do a food truck. Not if there's a hundred other food trucks, it's not relevant. So, so you're looking for, yeah, be yourself, but find a relevant problem to solve for yourself. Yes. Cause like watching what Gary V did is that was his path that he blazed. And I'm not like bashing on him. I think there's a lot of good, but like, I can't tell you how many people that have tried to make money telling people how to make money in drop shipping, not actually drop shipping. I've got a course on how to make money in drop shipping. Have you ever done it before? No, but I'm telling oh, people no, how to do but it. But I read a book on it. <laughs> right, right, right. So um, like the, because someone else is going to do it, I'm going to copycat it and hopefully that works out for them. Meanwhile, you have a perspective and we start, you know, we talk about diversity. Well, diversity also of insights, diversity of opinions. And so when you hear somebody like, hey, I don't like this about the thing, your insights have value, especially if the insight you have has never been done before. Like that is so powerful and valuable. And what I'm also trying to, you know, that, that when I started talking about like, see a problem as an opportunity, the second part of that was a, a very Seth Godin-esque. And the leadership to get it done. The leadership, the first of it is I can do this. I can't do it alone. We incentivize in our program teams. We pay out more if it's a team. And that is a skill of saying the confidence of saying, I'm going to lead this, but I don't know how to build all of it. And we're all unique down to our fingerprints. So somebody's unique perspective on a similar problem or opportunity is valuable if you can own that authenticity. I think there's a lot of fear about mm -hmm. being myself that mm -hmm. holds people back from what could be really great. And, and and I was that way because I was in this corporate world where I'm working with Fortune 500 CEOs. I grew up on a small farm in Southeast Indiana where we talked terrible language and nobody graduated college. I was this weird anomaly that after I went, ran away from home at 18 and worked MTV's first spring break, then I went and did corporate life. And I was scared to death somebody was going to ask me about my background in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then I realized my background, being able to talk to anybody at any stage of life was my greatest gift. Like the fact that I could hang with the plumbers and the farmers and all the people made me better. So it took me a while, though, to be like, oh, this is my value. It's not because I got the best degree because mm -hmm. I can relate to people better than others. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to sh share a story of a young lady who is now graduating from Purdue. And she was like, in some ways, I don't want to graduate because I'm surrounded by people that think that I'm smart. Meanwhile, I'm like hoping they don't figure out that they're the smart ones because like she would come up with these great ideas and some of the engineers knew how to build it. And they were looking at her like, oh my gosh. And they, she was looking at them like, oh my gosh, it takes both. And so you're right, that unique skill set is valued. Sometimes we feel as it's not as big of a deal. Like in my current role, I cannot believe, and actually I feel bad about it, is like, hey, Don, you need to go to these two cities and speak. 
And they're like, oh man, public speaking. Oh, I feel sorry for him. And I'm like, wait, instead of like working on some spreadsheets. And by the way, God bless you if you're awesome with spreadsheets. But I'm like, this doesn't work. And meanwhile, they're like, oh, how can you want to do that? So that unique talent is yours. Own it. Go with it. We do take it for granted. That's one of the things that I help my clients do is hold up the mirror to help them see how important their unique talent is. Because they you discount it. You're like, that's not a big deal. I'm like, yes, it is to everybody else. That's a really big deal. <laughs> and if you don't bring it to the world, we suffer. Like, yeah. stop holding that shit back. We need it. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to dig into, since I've known you Seven years ago, I found mm -hmm. you on LinkedIn. I'm like, he's cool. He's local. We had coffee. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. just fell in love with the work that you were doing in education because it is what I really wanted to do. And you'd already started doing it. Yay. And your life is a series of fortunate events versus mm -hmm. the movie of series of unfortunate events. Yours mm -hmm. is literally a series of mm -hmm. fortunate events. Yeah. What do you think? I, I have some ideas, but what do you think it is that puts you in this position that those opportunities present themselves? Thank you for bringing this up because I like, I'll tell you on the negative side, I sometimes really do think here soon that Keanu Reeves is going to come up to me and say, hey, it's over. This was all a simulation. Everything has gone your way. And that's not the way the world works. Also, I don't want this to be too self-congratulatory because I'm hesitant to, to answer how I'm going to answer. But you're right. The last seven years, even on when it's shit, it has been the greatest thing ever. Matter of fact, I even can tell you a story of how I met my wife and it was the worst night of my life and it turned out to be the best night of my life. But I, I think the reason why it happens is that, number one, I, I understand the hero's journey. I started off with a the, with this eye opening experience, and honestly, like I was always a weird teacher. I think my my I, in my book, my, what people quote more is my dad's quote, and my dad was like, "I told him I wanted to be a teacher, which he was a teacher. He never complained, but he said, Donnie, I don't care if you teach for the next twenty years. Please don't teach one year twenty times.' That resonated with me. Didn't resonate until year two or year three, but I've always been on this mission of like, what would have I have appreciated? Because as a child of a teacher, I had to do well, but I didn't like school. So I had a mission and I was on a journey. And as I kept meeting resistance, I ch chose to see it as Joseph Campbell, which by the way, I like that was one of my favorite classes in college. I basically took Joseph Campbell 101. Understanding that when everything is at its lowest point, I knew that I was going to meet Master Ugwe or Yoda or Ben Kenobi or somebody. So I actively looked for those mentors. And if they're out there, because those mentors are going to see you and go, oh my gosh, I was you when I was 22 years old or 16 years old. So finding those mentors is really important. And then when you're at this pit of despair, when all things are bad, you know that you're going to reach rebirth. And then completing that journey the hero's journey isn't done until they go back and introduce a new status quo into the original spot so that you come full circle. And I realized that my life isn't just one, but it's several hero's journeys. That is not to feel like I feel like I'm a hero or I'm heroic. I just want to take that journey. And when you put yourself into those companies of people, they get it. Because like you said earlier, when you surround yourself in a room with people like, you know what sucks? Everything. Not a effing thing gets done. Nothing. 
it makes you feel good temporarily. The world's against me. I hate things. People are bad. Okay. All right. But when you put yourself in the company of people like, yeah, I got through that shit too. Strange things happen. And so, yes, fast forwarding to last week, I was, uh, this guy, this family story is crazy, but and I'll skip ahead by saying, hey, we heard you know how to create some crazy ass ideas. I had a royal family from Europe come to me and said, we heard you knew how to execute on some crazy ass ideas. That's nuts. So when you put that vibe out and eventually resonates people, those people congregate. It's a small world. They find, yeah, they world. find you. Yeah. Be yourself and the right people for you will find you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a significant part of that hero's journey, which I got emotional as soon as you said that, because I was like, I, I want everybody in the world to be required to understand the hero's journey. That's That was a 101 for my parenting as well, is when you're in the pit, when you're in the mm-hmm. hurt, when you're mm-hmm. in the suck, mm-hmm. I think the especially for high achievers, because that's typically who I'm working with and who's listening, we want to hide when we're hurting because we either think that we yeah. did it to ourselves or we're going to be embarrassed when people know we're in the suck. And instead of embracing it as the start of something growing and beautiful, Mm-hmm. And looking for that mentor and looking for the, what am I going to learn from this? We go, I'm just going to hunker down until this gets better. Cause I don't want anybody to know that this sucks. Yeah. And that's where we ruin this. We break the cycle of the hero's journey right there. Yeah. Well, I hope more people work with you when they realize that it's funny. I don't really have time or even really like movies anymore unless they're animated. I think a metaphor of life, like I have gotten more spiritual journeys out of Kung Fu Panda, out of The Incredibles, than almost anything. Fantastic Mr. Fox. These are movies that my my family has memorized because the story arc is so good, but it's so right there in front of you. You know, there is a fat panda that fate happens to him and he goes on a journey And even though he's been told that he's a chosen one, he's at level zero. He sucks. And going through that is what I want more students to go through, is where they make that transformation that they know that they have that potential of going from a know-nothing fat panda. I mean, that sounds derogatory, but (laughs) I'm using the movie. But but someone that doesn't know what they're doing, and they go and they meet a mentor and they realize they're at level zero, and that's okay. Because um, I'm desperately afraid for adults and students to be stuck in this well what are you going to do and i couldn't possibly and then denying themselves a, a chance at an opportunity to take the journey that's what motivates me that's what keeps me up at night and that's what i think are our proudest moments is that people meet the students to go through this and go oh my gosh and some the ones that even win right the ones that just figured it out and have great stories. This is also why I'm so, I hate competitions and I love them. The level of quality has gotten so ridiculously high with Innovate Within, like ridiculously high, that we're now actually having some students go, oh, I don't want to apply. There's no way I'll win. I'm like, so that's why I'm so desperate to get more incentives, to get more celebrities or Colts players or whatever, because like just you going through this and making it to the regional level or even not even making it to the regional level, it's so worth it. Because like, we've had some, stu- actually some of our most successful 
like dollar wise out of this program didn't come in 10th. They weren't there yet, but they continued on and they built a network and they met those mentors and then they went on and succeeded. That's the darn if you do, darn if you don't situation. If it's not a competition, this really stays mediocre. But at the same time, it's gotten so good that I'm hoping I'm not dissuading kids by looking at it and say, there's no way in hell. I see it in adults too. If I can't win, I'm not even going to start. And if mm -hmm. I can't be great at it, I, I tell a story about my daughter when she was nine, was all excited to go to her first soccer practice until the night before when she realized that she didn't know how to play soccer. So forget it. She wasn't going to go. I'm like, yeah, that's what practice is for. Yeah. It's to learn. But there's this belief that I got to be good at it before I should even start. But see, God bless you, Rebecca, that your daughter had you. What hurts my soul is that there are so many students that don't have that, that one encouraging word sends them over the moon because it's the first time they've heard it. We've got a dad epidemic in this country, and I'm not going to blame it and put it at the feet of, 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 of just men. And I get it, man. Life's hard. And so sometimes adults that aren't supported, they don't mean to be that way. I think in a lot of ways, this competition is a is an exercise in mental health. It is not a business pitch. It is a see a problem as an opportunity. What could you do? How could you grow it? What solution do you have? And by the way, a lot of our contestants this year, a lot of them pitched solutions for mental health issues. Their generation um, is opening up and talking about it like it's yeah. never been talked about it before. But but what you're articulating is is everything that I believe in, which is the human needs first, the story first. Then we'll build the business model to support the story and the human needs. But you got to solve the human problem first. And the other thing that you said is so important, and this is the same for adults and organizations and leaders, is affirmation is far more powerful than feedback. And we have an obsession with feedback. Nobody mm -hmm. ever showed up inspired by, hey, I, I want to give you some feedback. Meet me for coffee. You're miserable and dreading that until you get there, anticipating that your life is going to be worse because you had the conversation. <laughs> Affirmation is where people change and get inspired and want to be more of themselves. Affirmation says, you see me. So from a basic human needs first, you're inspired because you're seen. And once you're seen and inspired, you can build from there some of your own solutions. You don't need external validation and feedback. So when you can go from the inside out versus the outside in, your life fundamentally changes forever. Yeah, yeah. That's my entire life's belief and legacy. If I can get people mm. to know they've already got what they need in here, and to stop looking out there for somebody <laughs> to tell them who they are and what they're great at. And but, with students, I, I agree. I'm yeah. so afraid. And I don't use that word very often because fear is rarely the right word unless it's physical and imminent danger. But I feel the imminent danger of, about so many of our youth not being allowed to be themselves or having someone hold up the mirror to help them see themselves. Yeah. So... People listening today are probably nodding their heads and in, in, in two ways. One, they're thinking to themselves, I need to do better at this as a parent or a leader or a friend. And two, they're saying, I wish someone would do that for me. And mm. I don't care if mm -hmm. you are 15 or 57. 
there's always a part of us that wants more of that in our lives. The last two weeks, I've had situations where I've had groups of women where we're talking about burnout. And Don, I asked them to talk about what's their why for changing their lives into something better. Because you got to have a, a compelling, to change yeah. your behavior, there needs to be something compelling. Don, these people, these women especially, are saying that they don't know if they can go on. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking about, I want a better career. These women are saying to me, I don't want to be on this planet anymore if I can't feel better. The number of times I've sobbed in the last two weeks after an event or a call, feeling the collective pain is just fueling my fire, number one, that to keep Mm -hmm. going, but the hurt is real. So as as people are listening today and saying, I want to live more in that hero's journey. I I want to to be more affirming or get more affirmation. What would you say to somebody that's just in that place of okay, what what can I do next, either for myself or my kid or Yeah, I know exactly what to say. And it's funny, I, I just had this conversation with Grant. I just got back from a a a three hundred and twenty eighth grader bus trip to Washington D.C. And uh, yeah, I know what was I thinking? Although I loved it. But, you know, Grant would rather hang out with adults. And he is confident enough that when he gets excluded, he doesn't take it too hard. And when some of his friends do include him, when somebody else more popular comes along and they they hightail and run, he doesn't take it too hard. But, uh, like, I told him, he was getting a little down. And I said, please observe people. I said, notice how many other students are feeling exactly the way you do. They actually outnumber everybody else. I said, feel an opportunity to... Be the person you wish would come along and be nice to you. Because when you do that, there's an opportunity. Just walking around trying to see an opportunity. By the way, it's selfish. You're making yourself feel better. Here's the spoiler alert. By you being nice, it's actually selfish. Now, do I, Do you have to go and put it on YouTube? You know, I, just, I, I, I bought a guy a cup of coffee and then videotaped it. Like, okay. By the way, I actually am not too against that because it does inspire people. But I'd say walk around. When you see somebody hurting, hey, man, how you doing? People will first say, I'm fine. No, seriously, how you doing? 90% of the people are like, will then unload on you. You don't even say anything. Man, I understand. Hey, I just want to let you know, like, I'm thinking about you. Like, dear God, there's that. I pulled yeah. up the quote it's yeah. by George Bernard Shaw. <clears throat> I'm going to try not to get emotional reading it. George Bernard Shaw. This is the true joy in life. The being used for a purpose, recognize yourself as a mighty one. The being a force of nature instead of feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world does not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community. And as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die, for the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle for me. It is a sordid, splendid torch, which I have to hold for the moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible for handing it on to future generations. Yeah. That's the heart of everything that. that humanity is about. Yes. One of yeah. my favorites too. Actually, you'll love to know that my previous boss, Dr. Stephen R. Covey, God rest his soul, that was one of his mm. favorite quotes. Mm. Mm. I know. And that's how I discovered that quote. But it was in Seven Habits. Seven Habits. Yeah, he loved that quote. And it was like, what, like quote. 1993? And I read it and I'm like, holy shit. And I didn't know who's like George Bernard Shaw was. Like I was just a quote machine. So the fact that Kobe did put that in his book is, is exactly how yeah. I discovered it. He used it every time he spoke. 
Love By it. the way, other than recommending the Bible and Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, the most practical book in the world is still Kobe's original. Like, that is the most practical book in the world. Read it. And, it, and if you don't want to read the adult version, read his son Sean's teen version. It's the same principles written in more common everyday language, if that's your bag. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I read that, that's what, in like 1993, 94, mm -hmm. and I had more parenting advice in my head. So I had my first child in 2001, so really wasn't parenting lessons until 2005. Like, years later, I'm like green and clean. I mean, like, there's just so many right? things. So, yes, if you're listening to this as a teacher, that is your homework assignment. Pick up that book. It changed my life. Mine too. Mine too. And, in fact, it was rated right under the Bible as the most read book for decades. Yeah. Those two. One and two. One and yeah. two. <laughs> Deservingly so. Yeah. I love that message. I I even think, gosh, I yeah. feel like rapping with just an underscore of go be the person that you need is so beautifully simple and profound. And beautifully simple most often are the most profound. We want to overcomplicate the solution. Let's yes. go read another book. Let's go watch another TED Talk. Let's go <laughs> like the answer is out there. No. It's yes. right here. Go be the person that you need and see what kind of good vibes and yeah. amazing opportunities to speak in the Czech Republic show up in yeah. your life a few years later. Well, that's a catchphrase in class. Like opportunities are everywhere. I signed off every podcast that way. I would end every classroom that day. I'm like, hey, and like to the point where I'm like, don't roll your eyes, but you know what I'm going to say? Opportunities are everywhere. Bye, kids. Because when you walk around, and here's the hard thing, especially for Enneagram 7s. There's so many damn opportunities. I want to do them all. But once you unlock that, if you're just walking down the street and you see somebody that you can tell they're about ready to cry and lose their shit, be nice. Now, I say that. Unfortunately, the world's a crazy place. That person also may be mentally ill and stab you. I, I hope not. I'm surprised that I haven't been physically attacked for some of the crazy things I do. But the Lord got I, you pretty covered with all the good but, you're doing in the world. But at the same time, like, there are so many opportunities just to be nice. And like I said, let's just be honest with you. Like, it's selfish. I want to feel good. I like helping is, people because I get that hit of dopamine. And that's fine. Do it. But, be a nice but person. When you, when you take care of yourself, it's actually an act of service. Because when you don't take care of yourself, you are not good to be around. Nobody wants to be around that person yeah. because you're exhausted. Your nervous system's all jacked up. Your vibes are not good vibes. And yeah. so it, it may be selfish, but it's it's an act of service Yeah. to self-care. Yes. And, you know, when you say that about see somebody that's hurting, loneliness, isolation and loneliness is like number three under smoking and obesity for health related issues. And we don't really talk about it. Like people don't walk around, especially high achievers and go, oh, well, the reason I'm my life isn't great because I'm lonely. When that actually is the case, because they're just so focused on achievement and work that they've disconnected all of their real relationships. And so when I'm helping clients work on connection, like find community, I, I live alone. I largely, my kids are in and out, but I have to be really mindful about isolation and loneliness. And I'm a smart person. I've got good friends, but there are times when I've spent a long time alone and I have to say to myself, oh, I'm feeling kind of crazy because I have not had a meaningful connection. And not all the time are your friends or your family or somebody available to like do that for you. So you know what my secret is? I go to Target. And I look for someone 
that looks like they might need a conversation or a compliment, I just stand in the towel section and I go, how are you? Or if somebody's like holding up something like in the shirts and t-shirts, I go, that would look amazing on you. And I only say if it's genuine, I don't blow smoke up people's skirts. But if I really feel like, or if somebody looks nice, I go, you look amazing today. Or I go get a coffee and I tell the barista, I love coming here because you're always so nice to me. In 20 minutes and a new mm -hmm. candle and a new hand towel, my mm -hmm. entire world is changed because I went and sought connection yep. in Target. Yeah, I, I love that. It's funny because my kids, I'm so happy they still think that I'm all right because they're 21, Thanks. 18, and 14. Um, but they always notice that. Like, would, like in some ways, it's. I, I, by the way, I despise the fact that on the progressive commercials, they make fun of dads that just make idle conversation to everybody because, damn it, that's what we're talking about. But they're like, Please. they know that that's going to happen. When I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll just make idle conversation in a fun, happy way. So I do. I hate that. Like, you know, you get on the elevator and you're the guy that's talking like, hey, this is a crowded elevator. Like, dad, don't like, they know that that's going to happen. But ironically enough, most people let their guard down like they crack up because they're like, you know, dads. It may have been their only good interaction that day for crying right. out loud. I ain't mad about being that for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My kids, when we'd go through the airport, they'd be like, do you, just try not to talk to everybody. I'm like, I don't think I can. that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, I'm even and I'm sure you're this way, too. I will also go out of my way to then put in customer compliments. Like, and I'll shock them every now and then. I'm like, I need to see your manager. And they're like, I thought I was nice to you. I'm like, just give me your manager. <laughs> I love doing that. Yes, sir. Was there a problem? Heck no, there's no problem. Matter of fact, why can't there be more employees like Judy here? Judy was so damn nice to me and she gave me recommendations that weren't upselling. I just love Judy. Uh, yeah, Judy is amazing. <laughs> So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it, yeah, man, because, uh, you know, it, by the way, if you haven't worked at a restaurant or worked retail, everybody should. That should be like almost like a, a duty to your service and your Both country. my kids in retail. Yep. Yeah. We because, say the same thing. You will be a nicer person. <laughs> right. People are jerks. Well, then work retail and you be nicer to people. And then they come back to you. I was on the phone with a customer service person one time and my son walks in, who's the number one guitar salesman in the district for Guitar Center for a reason, because He's good with people. And he, to people and absolutely. he heard my tone be a little harsh. And I was not in a great state that day. I'm, I'll admit it. And after I hung up, he looked at me and he said, you have no idea what was going on with that person today. And the chances are that they had nothing to do with the thing that you were frustrated about. But now you put that your bad mood on them. And I was like... <laughs> Oh, I hate it when it's a full circle moment. Yeah. I hate it when they come back and hold up the mirror for me to see. Me. That's awesome. That's the ripple effect, man. <laughs> if yeah. you put it out there, it will continue. Thank you for being oh, here man. and for yeah. being here. Thanks for having me on. I hope that if you have kids, you've you've taken this to heart. Or if you don't have kids and some of these things resonate with you, go out there in the most simple way. Just find find an opportunity to be nice and see what happens. So we should just challenge everyone, go out there, do it today, and yeah. then message me and tell me how it went. And we could build a whole episode off of all of the great things that the ripple effect of what happened just from 20 people on the podcast. You're listening to the podcast, doing the thing.
Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And then go to wethrive.live. First thing you'll see is a place to drop your email and join the movement. I'll send you tools that you can use to thrive in life and business. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all. Fun fact. If you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land.